Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name is Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. Um, as ever, I am very pleased to welcome two fine custodians of the game to talk all things uh, Middlesex County Cricket League with me here this evening. And first up, Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. How's things? Hi, Dan. Yeah, it's, it's getting dark now, isn't it? The, the winter's coming very soon and cricket is over. Apart from that, I'm still, you know, surviving. You know, we're only six months ago. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's that time of the year now, isn't it? Where we were kind of like, our mood changes and season's finished and, you know, it's all, it's all getting gloomy. But never mind. We can, you know, yeah. hopefully in six months' time, we'll be back to normal again. Absolutely. Get through those 32 weeks of IKEA shopping and, and, and it'll be April before you know it. Um, fantastic. And very pleased to welcome um, the vice captain of Teddington, Alistair Pollock. Hi, Alistair. How are you? Hi, Dan. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Just getting used to the end of the cricket season vibe. But yeah, very well, thanks. It takes a while, doesn't it? You have to get into a different rhythm. Um, your Saturdays just feel totally different. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. Now, one of the reasons we asked Alistair to come on is obviously because Teddington have had, as a club, a, um, a pretty impressive season. Um, all four sides won their leagues. Um, some of them won their leagues out of canter, quite frankly. Uh, and we wanted to talk to Alistair a little bit about that and about, about Teddington's year and how it's gone so well, why it's gone so well. Uh, and um, and to try and sort of uh, work out, you know, what, what lessons the rest of us can can draw about Teddington's success. So, Alistair, we start at the beginning. Did you see this? Did you see this fantastic season coming? Let's, you know, we know that way back in May we didn't think we were going to have too much cricket at all. But once we got up and running, did you know straight away that the club was in a good place? I think I think obviously over the winter we sort of reflected over the past few years and, and thought about what what we might do better. We might look to change, um, and once we've got up and going, I think we were, we were pretty confident. If we got all our, from the first team perspective, if we got our full strength team out week after week, then we could give everyone a good run for their money in the league. And I think, from the wider club perspective, I think we were all very encouraged that that we, look, we had all, all the kids were, were around, so that they went away on holiday like usual. We had our adults couldn't go to weddings. Um, or find another excuse like a barbecue not to play. So we were we, we, were, we were pretty confident that we could keep our availability high, which has always been our Achilles heel, that we could compete compete with everyone in the league. But I mean, I'm not sure anyone would have would have bet against all four, but we certainly fancied our chances. It's interesting you say about availability. I mean, even. Clubs like Teddington worry about availability. That's, that sounds that, that sort of gives me a, a modicum of hope, really, because we always say that. And every club I've ever played at, I say, oh my goodness, if only we could get our full strength sides out, we'd be a force to be reckoned with. And if, if even you guys are, are thinking that, then <laughs> then, then it's, it's good to know we're all in that same particular boat. Well, no, yeah, I was going to say, last year we, we had situations where we were struggling to put three teams out and cancelling in our, in our fourth 11. To this year, where we were putting out five 11s and had additional players in one. Well, so it really was a sort of step change. Yeah, hard to put a finger on why, but I think I think one of one of the real reasons was a lot of our juniors sort of coming through and being in their age of late teens, early twenties, and being really keen to get involved. Now, which I think for us was what was really pleasing about this year. So in a way, lockdown helped in that it got people thinking and playing cricket a little bit more frequently than they might have done? Is, is that a fair call? Well, without doubt for us, um, I think it helped. As I said, it definitely helped. Uh, some of our younger guys didn't run away on holiday 
engaged with their families and it certainly helped our older guys who didn't go to any weddings or anything like that so i've never seen availability like we have this year i think everyone was just really keen to get out there play and just see their mates i think makes a lot of sense and even though my club twickenham had a, had a pretty poor year certainly in the first we did have a lot of players um we do seen a lot of availability through the club just you know in key positions we were perhaps a little under strength um at the top in terms of the first team then what's the secret of the success where where were your real strengths what why did you win the league in other words what what was the key key to the success i think i think our batting this year was seriously strong um we had weeks when we had josh nappett walking out to bat seven which I think always gives you a lot of confidence. And then I think throughout the order, people contributed in all different ways. I mean, Harry Evans, our overseas, was was unbelievable this year. I think he averaged 69 or something. And whenever he went out to bat, just didn't look like he was going to get out, um, which obviously fills you with a lot of confidence. I mean, from a, from a bowling side, we had obviously Abby came over as director of cricket. Abdullah, left, young left arm spinner, came over as well, both from Richmond, and they were and they were invaluable for us sort of through those middle overs. So once we sort of got out of the power play, those two came on. When you add James Keatley into the mix, I mean it was people really. I think, I'm not sure we can see it over all year. Um, and then obviously Sam Harris with the ball as well, one of our younger opening bowlers, did seriously well, and he'll be a great prospect. So I think we had a few all rounders in there. I mean, it really felt like we had sort of all bases covered. And then when you throw in the likes of Sam, Robson and, and Govins, you played four games each, you do you start having quite a, a seriously strong side. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you about the overseas there, Harry. I mean, he's clearly an exceptional player. Um, for those who don't know, how, how did you end up having an overseas? Because, of course, a lot of clubs just, just gave up on that idea with, with, um, with, with lockdown doing what it was doing. Yeah, I think we were a little lucky there. I think Harry came over, he works at KPMG, came over on a secondment. Um, and we, we got wind of that he was coming over. And I think it was through Sam Robson's dad, actually. Um, sort of links in Australia where we've had a few overseas in the past. And, and he came over early January time. So we were here before various lockdowns started happening and then got him on board. And, He's so relaxed, just wanted to play a bit of cricket, didn't want to be, take it too seriously. And um, we were just we were just really lucky that how good he really was. He just borrowed everyone's kit, broke people's bats, but just scored so many runs. I'm loving that. He, he didn't want to take it that seriously, so he joined Teddington and won the Middlesex League. <laughs> For most club cricketers, that's like, wow. <laughs> he must be some player. Where did he play his cricket at home? What, I mean, obviously, he was a top quality he, cricketer. He, yeah, he's from Gordon in, in Sydney. Uh, so okay. he never played any professional stuff, but by all accounts, he was one of the best players over there for, for many years. He's in his early 30s now. So, I mean, I mean he was, we had a few people in the sort of late 20s, early 30s, which I think, whilst it's really, I think North Middlesex last year probably won it through their youth of Cracknell and Holman. Whereas this year, I think we had quite an old team, which which can, I think can help in these situations that sort of people can get you out of sticky situations just through the cricket they've played in the past. Yeah, yeah. So, Alistair, you mentioned about the fact that you, you, you know, you didn't, how many games were teams scored more than 180, for instance. I did look at that, actually, and it was quite an interesting fact in seeing that, you know, your, your bowling obviously was so strong. 
So what were your tactics were to bat first and sort of pile the runs or then just put the squeeze on sides, you know, who, who are trying to chase a big score with your spin and your sort of seam attacks? Yeah, I think well, my, my view in club cricket is that unless there's something really, really strange in the wicket, you always look to bat first, get some form of score and then just let let the pressure pressure of chasing get you there. That's what happened in quite a few of our games this year. And I mean, as I said, when you've got the likes of Abby, Abdullah, James through the middle, as long as you don't get off to a terrible start with the ball, trying to do a few times, um, you're you're going to be there or thereabouts. And I just I'm not saying chasing in club cricket, chasing in professional cricket's hard enough. People just do silly things. Yeah, so whenever we got the chance to bat first, we were very happy to do so. That's quite interesting because uh, last week um, Sal was talking to Alex Blowfield from Shepherd's Bush and he said he really, really prefers chasing. And I've heard that from many a club cricketer. They want to they know what the score on the, on the doors are and they find it easier to, to control the game when they're chasing. I have to be honest, I've never subscribed to it. I'd much rather have 260 on the board and say best of luck, chaps. Uh, rather than rather rather than chase and have that scoreboard pressure, but um, I'm really interested to hear that you, you guys are in that in that position too. Um, and the yeah, rest of the I, side, I, with, I was going to say I played with blowers at Cambridge, and and he was actually went to the same school with me in Shrewsbury as well. He's just he's far too late back. Now hold on, you're so, another Shrewsbury guy on here. Yeah, this, I'm this, not surprised this, that he's done that. Yeah, this just gets better. I didn't realise you, you had Shrewsbury links, uh, Alistair. Even yeah, um, marvellous. Um, so in terms of the other sides, though, what, what, is there anything that, that stood out about the way that the twos, threes, or fours approached their cricket? Anything different, or, or anything that that that, um, that you were surprised by, maybe? Well, I think I think it all stems from, in part, from the first team. If the first team getting good availability out, then it sort of crescendos down the down the lead, down the sides. Um, they all had really good availability, um, and and again, mainly through our sort of younger members of the club and they are all doing great stuff for us down second team 13 14 i mean the seconds i think that the seconds won nearly fairly fairly convincingly even though our captain averaged about five in the year. um he's sort of a he was just he was there to orchestrate the troops on alex smith um and then the third 11 always i think a difficult team um You've got people from the fours trying to get up to the twos and people in the twos who don't necessarily want to get dropped. And Paul Hyam took it on this year um, and did an amazing job. Um, he won our club win of the year, um, which just shows the sort of effort that he put in. And then I think down in the fourth team, you're never quite sure what's going to happen there. And Matt O'Toole's done it tirelessly for a few years. And I think fortunately for him, he was in a situation where he could play this year with all the, um, and actually put out a fifth eleven having to ring up and, and cancel. But you have all sorts of characters amongst all different teams. Um, I mean, the second, some of the second eleven teams we put out this year would have would have given our first team a couple of years ago a decent run for money. When you look at well, uh, yeah, we we saw that. Um, Alistair, to be honest, you know the, the Teddington twos were very very strong, playing the same division as Twickenham twos and. And and we felt that there was a number of players there that would play first team cricket in at a lot of other clubs. It shows shows something about the the strength in depth. I think your your point about Matt O'Toole is very well made. I mean, you know, captain of the lowest team in a club is always a difficult position, right? You're the one who has to sweep up when when others have nicked your players. 
Um, but he, he put in a lot of miles actually organising the cricket in Division 6B. He got in touch with all of the other clubs, said, I know we're, we're, not, um, we're not playing in the, the county league format this year because it was only down to Division 4. Um, and he arranged all the fixtures. He made sure all the teams had games. Um, now, Cynic might say, well, it's because he had a strong team and they wanted to win the league. But I genuinely don't think it was that at all. He just wanted to play cricket. And I, I took my hat off to him. I thought he did a fantastic job of getting Division 6B up and running. And a lot of people at Twickenham, in, in our fifths who play in that division, would not have had as much cricket had he not put that effort in. So, um, yeah, uh, respect you. Yeah. I thought he did, um, yeah. he did really well. Tooley is he's an all run to himself. And he, 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 you have to have those people at the club. You have, yeah, they have to be there. And, and to his credit, it's not just his effort he puts into the fourth team. He sort of is in charge of all the different spreadsheets or who's playing in which team. And doing all that side of things as well. So, yeah, you, you've got to have those people in your club. And he, he, he was very good there to organise that. So, and gave us another league to win, I guess. Impressive character. Yeah. Sal, over to you. Alistair, so you, met, you touched earlier on about having, obviously, um, Sam Robson and Nick Gubbins playing sort of four games each for you this season. So, I want to sort of ask you about the impact they had on, on, the, on the team itself, maybe even the club itself, actually. But obviously, aside from that as well, you've, you've got Josh Knappett, ex, ex-professional, Fantastic keeper, and obviously brings a lot to the side in terms of experience and sort of ability. And alongside that, again, you've got Abhishek Chundrinwala, who's played IPL cricket. I think he might play with Shane Warne, or he has played with some big names in in his career. What do those sort of guys bring to the table in terms of you know on the pitch and off the pitch? Yeah, Abby's definitely played with a few good players. He certainly likes to tell us he has anyway. Um, I mean, <laughs> to have to have, have Robbo and, and Gubbins in the team, it. I mean, like Gubbins came out late availability playing the Ealing game and it just gives everyone a lift. Um, he, I, I don't know. I mean, from our perspective, they're very much part of the club. So you certainly don't plan to have them available and for them to play. But to think when they turn around and say, yeah, we'd like a hit or Gubbins in a situation, I'd really like a ball. Um, you just get him in, whoever it might be. I mean, Nick, our usual first team captain in the last game of the season we had them both available and Friday dropped himself and pretty selfless from your first team captain when you're about to win the league to drop yourself I think that's just really what we're all about just trying to get our best team on the pitch um, and I mean when they're around it's, it's, it's not like they're, anything else. they're just part of the team and it's always helpful to have them at the top of the order um, and it just gives us well actually with governs he's usually just in your ear saying oh, come on mate get me on get me on the ball Lenny's are coming out well <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. They just, I mean, I, I don't, from an opposition perspective, I then you probably look at it and go, Christ, that is not, it's, a bit, um, it's not ideal having them at the top. But for us, it, yeah, we, we love it. We, we try and make them feel part of the club. They both came to the club at the end of the season. So I hope they think they're part of the club. We certainly do. Um, we love having them around. I mean, and Josh as well managed to get six or so games out of him this year. He, he's such a badger. He absolutely loves it. Um, sort up to speed with all the stats, just so many theories. Um, and you need, and to have someone again with his experience around it, let alone his, own, his ability, it's amazing. And filled you with such confidence, throwing Abby into the mix. He, when he was at Richmond night, we always looked at him and thought, I mean, I know he's a, an ex-pro, but sort of as a league player, one of the top league players in the league, 
around his batting and bowling. Um, but yeah, to have those people in, yeah, this is great. Makes it very easy when you're throwing the bats in a captaincy, you just sort of let them do it. I must have, I noticed, I, I came back to the pavilion when you guys played on the green and, um, and I remember walking into the pavilion and, and, and Sam Robson was there having a, obviously a socially distanced drink. And I did think that's, that's quite interesting. You know, the game had finished, I don't know what it was, must have been an hour and a half earlier. And, um, and yet it's still there. And he, you, know, you would not have known that, that, that he was, you know, someone who's got an Ashes 100 to his name. And that's got to be good, right? If he's got to be good, if he's prepared to sit down and have a, a, have a beer uh, rather than race off and, and, and worry about his next professional commitment. I think it says, says a lot for the, the camaraderie, the team, that he does that. Uh, how long has Sam played for you now? Is it second year? Is it, or is it the first year? I think it's the second year now. Second he played, year. I think he played a few games for us last year. Um, this is his second. Obviously, we had Gubbins in the club for 10 years or so, I think, since he was he's a young guy, so he's been around. We, we, at one stage, we thought we might have Tom Lace as well because he used to play for us as well. But how has it been decided that might be a step too far? Right, right. And what about your background, Alice? I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't aware that you, um, you know, you came, you spent time in God's County in Shropshire. Um, but what, what's your cricketing yeah. background? So I, I played, obviously, I played at school. I just Worcester in Shrewsbury. Um, played a bit of age group stuff for Worcester, but nothing ever too serious. Um, always overshadowed by my younger brother. Um, he's currently a professional. Um, but yeah, then I went to Cambridge. Played three years or so there, and that was that was sort of possibly the funnest cricket I've, I've ever had. Sort of playing against some seriously good players, playing obviously with Alex Blainford in my last year, and he came to do a Masters. Um, and then I've been in Tellington for five years, and then before that I was at Barnt Green um, in the Birmingham League, so I played mm. a lot of league cricket there. Good club. Um, so yeah, Barnt Green, yeah, yeah, very strong, great club to be a part of. Um, still follow them. Um, yeah, they're playing nice. They're still playing, actually, in some semi-finals. In they are, going. that's right. September. Birmingham League's not, not finished yet. Yeah, yeah still going. A little bit down there. And then, yeah, the last five years or so, um, William Froome persuaded me to go to Tellington. Never looked back. and obviously really enjoyed that. And what about Cambridge University cricket? Because I don't think we've spoken to anybody who, who, who's mentioned that explicitly, although we may well have spoken to people on the 25 pods that we've done who've been at Cambridge. Um, but it's, it's always strikes me as a slightly funny season because uh, a lot of the cricket is inevitably early season. So there's a lot of wickets that I guess are, are quite sort of optimal for seam bowling. It may rain a bit, um, but you say it was a wonderful time. You really enjoyed it. Well, how many games did, did is a Cambridge University season? Um, well, I guess it's a bit of a hybrid because you have the MCCU stuff, which I think is about to finish, but we had that at the same time. Um, mm. And that was all in sort of, April, May, when you might play the counties, and I mean, certainly from my perspective as a, as a slow seamer playing in wrong. Uh, but yeah, you used to play a few of the MCCU games early doors. Certainly had a few snowed off in March. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. March, yeah, <laughs> it was it was mad. Oh, I was mad, and then it tended to sort of blew a bit, a bit more into the sort of blue stuff. Playing against the varsity matches against Oxford, where I used to play against a lot of my other Tellington team, which is fun to learn about. One this year, all their game, which is always important. Say, um, the fact that you say it's good to reminisce means you probably won a few, right? 
question about Teddington I should have asked a bit earlier but I forgot um new pavilion this year and um yeah. I went to see to T20 there in 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 August and and the, the pavilion was was great it looked fantastic obviously not in full working order because of the the covid limitations and everything but you must be over the moon with that yeah i mean it's amazing Any, anyone who's been to bushy park this year and seen the transformation from rural pavilion which they had character um but we I think people have been looking for a while to upgrade it and through the, the effort that has gone in is, is unbelievable. And William Fruin sort of in his last few years of chairmanship, that was his sort of what he wanted to leave it behind. And then you obviously got the likes of Matthew Reese, um, who sort of ran the whole project and all manner of other people who who, who are involved. I mean, now the, the structure itself is massive. Um, and I'm sure it goes down in part to, to why we have to use it properly. Um, I mean, for years to come, I think William certainly left his legacy there. Um, and we're just very lucky, very lucky to be able to play there now. Certainly makes a change to the old, the old pavilion. It is, yeah, it's a different, different beast, isn't it, altogether? Um, without wanting to, to pry into too many details, I mean, how, how did you fund it? Um, I assume through multiple different different sources but was it was there a clear sort of strategy for for using different pots is there anything other clubs could learn from there i think we were i think we were very lucky from a few very generous people um gave money gave a few loans i think there was a lot of hard work behind the scenes to secure various different grants um i i, I understand a lot of these are against how much you can raise yourself i certainly wasn't involved i think that the players players sort of were giving giving donations over three years period i think was about to end um but uh, yeah i think it was a club effort but i think at the end of the day you, you really need those people to give up a serious amount of time and energy and to drive it forward and without those few it would certainly wouldn't happen i think that's a I was going to say as well, we, there was, we have a couple of partnerships with the Athletics Club and the school, um, the school that uses it, Rudner House. Um, and they're, they're obviously very important. And I think as a club, we're now hoping that with that school link, we can hopefully get those juniors through, keep, keep building. Mm. Well, I think you, the point there about it being a long-term project that requires serious financial planning is, I mean, it's an obvious one. But it's just so fundamental, isn't it? You know, you, you need to have multiple streams of funding and you need to have committed people. Um, not rocket science, but absolutely. If you don't have it, then pavilions don't get built. So, And, and I thought it was great when I, when I, I popped by in, in August. It, it looked like a, a really good addition to, to, to everything Teddington were doing. Um, I wanted to move on, uh, though, Alistair, to something Teddington didn't win, OK, which, of course, is not very much this year because Teddington did win an awful lot. And that's the League Cups because we had the final from uh, finals of the League Cups 
um, this weekend. Now, Sal, your, your side, North London, was involved in one. Um, should we kick off with that one? How did that one go? Actually, we'll start with the, the main one first, or the league one. Then I can, then I can yeah, ramble sure. on about North London. Uh, so, the, the <laughs> League Cup one, which was, which was mainly for Premier Division sides and two Division 2 sides, was contested at Old Deer Park and saw Ealing defeat North Midlands by, by, North Midlands by nine runs. Very close game in the end. Ealing two for eight uh, in, their, in their 45 overs with Ollie Walking back in, back in to the runs with 79. And Ben Graves, who's been a very good addition for Ealing this year. Good all-rounder. Bowls left arm spin, bats up the order, scored 74. As I said, the Northland gave it a good, good go, but as I said, fell short by, by nine runs. Connor Nurse, who's been in some fantastic form recently with 43. Captain James Parso, 62, but in the end, just just a bit too much to to get in the end. And so congratulations to Ealing, who, who, who won the Cup this year. And then we did have the League Cup 2, which was held at Winchmore Hill, and it involved Winchmore Hill and North London. A low-scoring game. Uh, North London batting first, 1-4-1, all out. With Will Jones scoring 54, I mean, I have to credit Winchmore Hills fielding and bowling. I thought they filled the spinners bowled really well. Their fielding was exceptional. I mean, they did drop a couple of catches, but beyond that, they took some really good catches as well. And there was really just you know on the ball all round, quite a sort of youthful side, lots of energy. Second innings was a tight affair. I mean, they won by three wickets. They did, they did lose a few towards the end, so they might have sort of. Flattered North London slightly, but I mean, again, credit to North London for going to the end. But again, as I said last week, it was a bat- battle of Jones versus Gatting. Who comes out on top will win the game. Gatting of 79 was basically the difference between the two sides. You know, he's, he's a Premier Division cricketer and he showed it on Saturday. Just a class knock, hitting shots all around the ground. He just seemed two levels above everybody else. There was a great battle, though, with him and Will Jones. I mean, it was almost like Frio's or Donald versus Atherton, two top players going toe-to-toe at each other. Will Jones finished with figures of nine over six maidens, one for 12. And, you know, he bowled a fantastic spell. <laughs> and the young Decent could, figures. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad effort. Um, and, and Gatton was really, you know, really cautious against him. Did hit for one boundary. But as I said, it was two guys, lots of respect for each other, really going hard at each other. And as I mentioned, Gatton was definitely the, the, the difference. But, you know, North, 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 sorry, North Winchmore Hill played their part in, in the field earlier on. I have to just say as well, in general, it was at end of season. We've never been in the final for a long, long time. And we brought a healthy sort of crowd down. Which will had played their part as well. You know, I would say there's over 300 people watching the game. Lovely sunshine. And played in good spirits. Obviously, there's a little bit of chat flying around, as, you, as you'd expect, in, in a final. But overall, played in good spirits. Two sides, you had a lot of respect for each other. And got you have to credit Winchmore Hill for hosting it fantastically well. You know, they had stewards there. They had a really good sort of signing in system. You know, Bar was well managed. And for me, actually, what was the most fitting moment itself was that Della Rater Blanche was there. We all know he's he's not been too well in the last sort of couple of years or so. He was there watching, and at the end, when Sasha Selvaratnam, the captain, was awarded the trophy, he went over and gave Della a massive hug, which was, you know, everyone there just almost could appreciate that. And it was really, you know, a poignant moment in terms of how that was you know, received by everyone around. And what was another pleasing aspect is was the fact that Winchmore Hill had nine players who come through the Colts and North London had six. So 15 of the 22 players who come through both clubs. And I think that's an important point to bear in mind because I think Ealing and North Middlesex are also, we both know, we all know, sorry, our clubs are lots of players who come through the Colts system. So maybe this, this league cup this year in both, in both sort of formats has benefited the clubs who have young players who want to play on Sundays 
are also good cricketers. And it's quite, you know, interesting to see that the four finalists have been clubs with sort of good cult systems, producing good young players who want to carry on playing cricket, you know, both days this year and have resulted in producing decent sides that have got to finals. So that's maybe something to bear in mind for the future for any sort of clubs looking to, you know, maybe, uh, you know, get to sort of some finals in the future. And I'm going to come into this as well. We are going to obviously discuss um, the format, which I think, having spoken to, you know, people around the ground on Saturday, um, you know, there was umpires there who umpired as players there who play regularly. There was uh, the Winchmore Hills podcast host there as well, Don Phillip, the interesting guy. And the, the census is kind of that the format's worked really well this season in terms of having two separate competitions. And is it something that we could go with next season, you know, permitting obviously that we have a full season? I personally, I'm in favour of it, definitely, because to see my club in a final, which, you know, as I said, not happened for a long time, have a big day where they have their sort of moment in front of a big crowd is probably quite a good way. Normally, you know, we might get drawn away at North Middlesex early April. They'll play every single superstar going and we'll be knocked out straight away. Whereas I think this gives chances for, you know, the clubs to actually have their big day, you know, in the, in the sun at the end of the season. I mean, interested to see what, you know, yourself, Dan and, and Alistair think about that. Yeah, what do you make of that, Alistair? Is there a case for having two different competitions there? I think, I think, I feel like it should, well, my view is it should start as a one competition. And then if you want to have a plate competition or something like that, at least gives the, Carabao cut something over, but at least gives the lower league sides the chance to, don't know, test themselves against the higher teams, have a bit of a cup run, um, but with also the chance of, as you say, start having a run out at the end and get the whole way with a lower competition. I mean, I think I think it depends what the, what the lower league side want to do. Really. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one because I think the problem with with a, the notion of a plate is that I wouldn't say there's a stigma to it. Stigma is not the right word, but but it, it does feel as if it's a competition that you go into as and when you know you couldn't you know you'd be knocked out of another one. Where I suppose this one feels a little bit different because it's seen as a separate competition that's just specifically for a, a set of clubs. And I guess that that did that make a difference, Sal, for North London this year, or, or would it have worked if it was a plate as as Alistair mentions there? I mean, when when the fixtures came out of the season, I did sit down with a couple of guys and first team captain Phil, and I said, "Look, look at the draw that we have. On paper, it's it's a draw we should be looking at and thinking we can get to the final because you know we had I think AP Alexandra Palace, Alexandra Park, sorry, Hornsey, and potentially you know, to Hamlet as we you know in our in our half and the games that if we put out a strong style, we can definitely compete and potentially win. So. It gave us sort of hope early on, thinking, OK, we have an actual chance. Whereas in the past, you know, you look at a draw in a normal format and you've got North Mill, and if you win that, you're going to go and play against, I don't know, Bronsbury or Hampstead. And if you win that, you... So it's, it's a hard ask early on, whereas I think this format has worked well, you know, in terms of giving some teams an idea how far, you know, what the season entails. I think also, if we do have a regular season next year, you know, we've got the National, we've got the T20 competition takes place. If, if for instance, like, you know, let's say Twickenham, for instance, and they have a competition where they might have to play four games in the League Cup and they've got other competitions they're taking part as well. Would it not be easier if they had less games in one cup and then they can maybe focus on other cups as well and, and get stronger sides out rather than having to field weaker sides because they know they've got to play maybe six, seven Sundays worth of cricket, which, you know, again, may, may be an, an issue with certain players playing so much cricket. Well, I must admit, last year we, we took the active decision not to enter the National. 
um, because we we just felt um, we couldn't do justice to the competition. And and even even if we did do justice to the first round or even the first two rounds, we then play our third team in the third round. So uh, we we opted and and not a decision I enjoyed being part of, but we opted to, to not not even take part in it because we wanted to try and give the T Twenty a go and if possible the Middlesex Cup later in the season. Um, and I think other clubs might well be in a, in a similar position for that. In fact, the national now is limited to eight clubs, Alistair, from the county league. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's something like that. They you know, reduced it down. Middlesex have an allocation of eight, which powers that be can allocate as they see fit. Yep. I well, I think that. our decision to not enter allowed Stanmore to enter. I think who'd done ridiculously well the year before. Yeah, the final. yeah that's it. But they're in Division 2. They, they, they got relegated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, we, and we were not in any way coerced not to be in it. It was we just we just felt it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, but I, I mean, I, I do worry in an eighteen-game season, Sal, that there's a lot of cricket here. And and will your availability at North London, do you think, still be the same if you've got the eighteen league games and all those other competitions? I mean, as I said, if you've got if you're in a competition where you, you look at you look at potential fixtures and they think we've they're winnable in some in some regards, no disrespect to you know teams in Division Four, for instance, but if you've sure. got a div yeah, I got you saying. three and a div four mm -hmm. comp and you've got a prem div and div two comp, then they're separated. You might look at the run early on and think, okay, well, you know, we fancy our chances if we beat this team and this beat this team and beat this team. Whereas I said, if you've got a competition where you're drawn, you know, ten and ten or the one of the big guys in, in the prem early on in, in early April and the April when you're not feeling the strongest side and they've got everyone ready to play and they want to get some preseason games for their for their main team, then it's almost like you're you're seen as over an eight point in that situation. I mean, interesting to see what happens. I mean, as I said, speaking to people around the ground, definitely in favour of it. You know, there was a couple of umpires who, who thought it was a good idea. So be you know we we have to wait and see and see what what turns up in in the winter in terms of that happening next season. I think the fact there are three hundred people there is interesting. That that's a lot of people watching watching a game of cricket in the middle of September, isn't it? And that's a, that's a great advert for. For all sorts of things, for the league, for the competition, for the two clubs involved. I have to say, Winchmore Hill always strikes me as a great venue for a final. You know, they, they, they put on a good do, and I'm sure they that they that they they play everything by the book, Sal, right, in terms of track uh, and trace and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, I can't fault them on the day. You know, great hosts, and everything was in place, all regulations, and they managed it really well. You know, just talk, come back to North London in, in general as well, and I suppose Winchmore Hill. You know, we had. Obviously, supporters of the club. We had our women's team come down. We had we had Colts there watching. You know, we had ex players coming down to watch. So it was a really good club occasion to to end the season. Because obviously now the season's over, so it was a good way to. Obviously, we didn't win the game, but you know we, we gave it a good shot. But in terms of like as a club itself, it was just good for everyone. You know, for the players to see all these people there watching them. So you know, it's something that I'm sure they they relish and they would love to do again. You know, in the next couple of years, if possible. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, I, I had some correspondence with Tim Royale from um, from Winchmore Hill earlier in the week, and he was saying that they've, um, you know, it's a great way to end their season. And they, they they got a seventh team out at one point earlier this year. They put seven sides out on a Saturday, which is like it's unbelievable uh, managing to get seven seven players. And of course, all populated by juniors. And I know Highgate have been talking about getting a seventh out at one at one stage. So it goes shows a lot of cricket being played. And it's nice to see a club that's really uh, bounced back from a tough few years, strong. Junior section winner win a trophy in front of three hundred people. I mean that's the, that, that's good for them. So so hats off to Winchmore Hill um, there. Um, thinking about the winter now, obviously we're not going to have too much cricket to talk about. But cricketers still think cricket and, and still prepare for cricket. 
Um, so given that in a normal winter, Alistair, what, what would you guys at Teddington be doing? I mean, obviously, this is going to be slightly complicated this winter coming with with COVID restrictions. But would you guys be netting before Christmas or do you leave do you leave any formal nets until the next uh, calendar year? No, we, we tend to not really see each other till after Christmas. I think after 18 game season, usually people have certainly had enough of me and, and, and each other. So a bit of detoxing. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe get together around Christmas. Uh, and then I think win- winter nets usually start up sometime around in February at St. Mary's University. Um, February or March, I'm sick, sick of playing next day. I mean, historically, whether this will change now we've got Abby at the rain and sort of in charge, we- we've been pretty poor trainers. Um, um, because Tennington is quite a long way away to be trying to go for an hour along that. Um, can I just say that's the last time. thing that the rest of the league wanted to hear. So you're a rubbish trainer. So 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 you're planning to improve that, are you? Right. <laughs> Great. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Certainly, we could certainly be better at. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think just the will have to. Yeah, I think we're doing it for a while until March time. I think that's a pretty common pattern, though. No, Sal and North London, much the same. Detox for a bit and then then come back at it from January, February. Yeah, we normally sort of start nets indoors around sort of January, February time, up till sort of early April, and then the outdoor season starts. Yeah, so yeah, not too much difference at all there. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All good. Um, between now and Christmas, we would normally have an AGM. Just um, uh, sort of trying to think about a, a few housekeeping things, and um, I, I'm not totally sure what the league's position on that is. I think having an in-person AGM has has gone down the Swanee. That's not going to take place but there may well be some sort of zoom meeting i guess i don't, I don't know um but we'll, we'll speak to um to, to nick Brown, league secretary about that and advise in the next pod as to what the organizational plans are for for, for, for the winter because obviously we'll have to talk about um yeah, talk about those at, at some point um sal anything else you wanted to throw yeah. into the mix well I, I mean yeah nick is keen to come on so i think we will try and get one in the next sort of few weeks but we'll give you a little break after this he's really worked so hard the poor guy um, but yeah, definitely look to get um, Nick Brown on, and he can clarify any sort of future plans regarding the AGM. I just, yeah, I just want to say personally, I think we we have to sort of thank, you know, um, Alice has mentioned, you know, his club, the people behind the scenes who who just do so much work at all the clubs that we're involved in and within the league. The season has not been the easiest one, probably one of the hardest ones on record for everyone. I want to sort of, you know, personally again from I think from us as well, the, the league has done a fantastic job in putting the season they've done this year. All the clubs for all the work they're doing and getting teams out and getting fixtures organised and being ready to play. That's been a fantastic effort from everyone around. And there's lots of people behind the scenes that, you know, who don't, you know, we mention all the players, don't we, all the time who score the runs and get the wickets and win the games. But, you know, every club's got their unsung heroes who do the work. You know, we've got the barman, the groundsman, you know, every, every single sort of person who's there working hard behind the scenes tirelessly. You know, we should give them a massive pat on the back and appreciate their work they do within the clubs. It's it's been a tough year all around. But I think as a county, Middlesex has performed really well as a you know, as a league itself in doing what they've done in terms of the amount of cricket that's been played this year. And I think no one can really complain in how everything's turned out. And hopefully next season we are gonna be back to normal and we should have a, a full season, but at the minute we just don't know. And also I mean from my part as well, I mean, you know, you hear me and Dan quite a bit, but there's a guy who does a lot of work behind the scenes, Eugene. He's he's amazing the guy he does all the, all the tech stuff, he's, you know, he, we, me and Dan just talk, don't we? You know, but 
He's yeah, exactly. Away. That's very true. We, we couldn't do it without you. That's very true. No, he sits away and he has to do the two hours of editing afterwards and get everything together. So, and actually, I was just thinking on this almost a year of our, of our podcast. So it's been a you know enjoyable year. We've had some great feedback from people. Keep keep letting us know what you think about the podcast. It's nice that we've got people all around the world listening to to our views on cricket within the league. And we obviously we, we you know we're going to continue with this and keep things going by saying any any ideas any suggestions any guests you'd like to have on then please get in touch with me or dan or eugene and we'll do our best to get them on so you know good year so far and long may it continue absolutely i second all of that um i think uh, i think the league's done a fantastic job the nine game season has worked as well as it could possibly have worked no i think there's been really competitive cricket regardless of whether teams could actually go up or down the, the, the cricket's been great um, and you know, thanks to, to to Nick and all of his team and and all of the the individuals who've made it work, we we all appreciate it. As you say, though, so I hope next year we are back to eighteen games. I, I hope that there is a semblance of normality. Fingers crossed, there will be. I think um, uh, I think organised sport has now got itself in a place where um, it, it's seen as being a much more low risk issue than say having a pint of beer in a pub at ten thirty, which of course we can no longer do anymore. So um, so fingers crossed, it will be back to normal next year Alistair anything you want to throw in at the end no nothing yeah just looking forward to next year hopefully getting a chance to play with a red ball again <laughs> as a bowler yeah. as a bowler yeah. it's been a sort of year of just sort of bowling balls to let Wilkins Cracknell's Holmans just see as far <laughs> as they can hit you so <laughs> not that they don't do that with a red ball as well but yeah I mean it's, it is nice to see the likes of Joe and Emily going well for Middlesex as well now so Absolutely. Sal made the point actually when we recorded our pod last week that at the time there was a Middlesex game on and there were six players in that Middlesex side who played league cricket this year. So that 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 that's clearly great. That's a great advert for what the league is trying to do. Um, we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. We will see um, to talk about um, developments as they develop. Uh, in the meantime, as Sal mentioned, all feedback very welcome. Um, thanks again for listening. And Sal, Alistair, thanks for coming on board. Um, see you all soon. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Cheers Alistair. Cheers, guys.